Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, how's it, everybody? It's Dave Kawada filling in for Kanoa Leahy. It's Let's Talk Sports. This is T-minus three days until Christmas, which means there is nobody. I want, I'm wondering, what is the percentage of the workforce that is working today? Let's just, I don't want to go national. Let's just say in Honolulu, what is the percentage of the workforce that is at work today? I'm here. Liz is here. Our program director, Josh Pacheco, is here, and that's it. I was driving up this building, coming up this building in the parking structure here in downtown Honolulu, and you know how you got to go past about 22 different levels where it's all reserved for people who are you know, working in the building, tenants of the building, until you get to the final floor that actually is open for visitors. So I don't qualify as a, you know, having a parking pass. I got to go to the visitor level. Man, there's a lot of parking spaces available for all those that are reserved 24 hours for tenants. I I probably could have parked anywhere and not been worried that the owner of that stall would be coming and saying, all right, who the heck is here and ticket and tow his Okole out of here? What is the percentage? And if we can find that in our crack, if any of you know, we can find out what's the percentage of the workforce that is at work today. That'll be a good number. Because, hey, let's start the weekend. Christmas is on Monday. We're going to have a Christmas show today because I'm going to ask some of our guests, what are your Christmas wishes, sports-related, related to their topic that we're going to talk about. we got the Diamond Head Classic going on. In fact, game uh, the first game today is already underway, a 12 noon start over at the Stan Sheriff Center. Later on in the show, toward, toward the end, I'm going to do a live from the Diamond Head Classic with Brian McGinnis from Spectrum News app, who's reporting there and see what is the status of the game there. If you're headed there or if you're going to one of the games later on, Hawaii playing at 6 p.m. against Georgia Tech. I'll be there for that. So we got a lot of basketball going on. Still some lingering thoughts related to the football signing period. And we're going to have Mike Lafaele joining the show uh, at about the bottom of the hour in about half an hour. He was just here. Talk about a guy who had a very exciting week because personally, he was named as the new head coach for Farrington, the Farrington football team. Also, his son Anelu just signed with Wisconsin. So on, on Wednesday, the early signing period, I think his announcement came out on Tuesday as the head coach of Farrington. His son signing with Wisconsin was obviously announced and done on Wednesday. So Mike Lafaele, a member of the University of Hawaii football team, the 2007 Sugar Bowl team, will be joining us here on the show as well. And then in about maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, we'll have Derek Lowe, our ESPN analyst for men's basketball. He was there last night. We'll be there tonight as they are in the Diamond Head Classic. Kind of this, you know, this point in the season on a college basketball team where they're winding down their early non-conference schedule. Hawaii has the fortune of having this Diamond Classic to kind of end their year, end their non-conference schedule. So in terms of development, I like to kind of find out about that, what he's seen this group of men's basketball players, the rotation, Iran Ganat's crew, how does he look at them? Are they kind of in that point where are there some things needed to be addressed? Are there some pukas here? Or is their roles kind of defined kind of how he sees it from Derek Lowe? So that's going to be our show today. I kind of gave you our guest list from back to front. 
We're going to have Derek Lowe, Mike LaFaele, and Brian McGuinness at the end of the show. But I want to start with this because we had on Wednesday, and today is the final day of the early signing period, mainly for college football. Um, And a lot of the big news really happens on day one. Could there be some trickle-in signings? Yes, there could be from yesterday and today. But, you know, when you, you talk about college football, college athletics, early signing, recruiting, um, then you throw in the layers of transfer portal now, um, NIL, all these elements. I was just starting to think about this. It, you know, this whole new era. You know, if you are a college athlete now or going to be, you're just a high school senior, you're going to be one, this age bracket now, 18 to 22, there are more big decisions that these college student athletes may have to do or make decisions on between this age group. Before, it was, you know, the biggest decision, what what school you want to play for, you know, for your college career. That was a big one. And that happens either now or happens February 7th when you have the other uh, window for National Letter of Intent to determine where if you're a high recruit, you have maybe a couple, maybe three different options. Maybe, you know, they, they're the strongest one, but you've been going through this process. So it's a big decision. And, you know, decision-making, you know, as we mature in our lifespan and constantly and pretty much until the end, that kind of is this barometer of your maturity because it's the decisions you make that kind of lends your growth and your maturity process. You know, hear the phrase, good parenting is preparing our kids to make good decisions because at some point, you know, they got to make these decisions on their own. Even as they're going through school, we're trying to tell them what's, what's good, what's bad, you know, all these things so that they can make these good decisions. And when you make bad ones, you learn from it. You get scolded, you get grounded, whatever. But that is all of the process. And then as you get older, you have to deal with the ramifications of your decisions. And, you know, so these are big decisions that, you know, these kids, these college-age kids are having to make. And with the layers of NIL, with the layers of Transfer Portal, they're making more decisions like that within that time span. And I was trying to think, okay, think back to when you had to make your own type of major decision in your lives. And let's narrow it down. Decisions that you had to make where you had a goal and it was a matter of, oh, what decision do I make to get to the goal? What path do I get to the goal? Kind of compare it to, right, you know, if you're a college athlete, where my goal is I got the skills and I've been recruited, so I want to play college athletics. I want to play college football. Now, which school do I go? I have a goal. Which path do I go? And then add to that, this decision would impact your future and it affects other people around you. So here are some general examples. So let's think about a major decision as an adult or even at any point, a major financial investment. You're going to buy a house. Uh, Which house? Buying a car, you know, a major stock purchase. If you're going to, let's say you're on the higher income bracket, you want to make a major stock, you're going to be aggressive. Which stocks do you work in? You're working with a financial advisor, maybe your business partner, so forth and so on. Then think about other things a little bit more layman that affects other people beyond yourself. So let's say if you're a hiring official, if you are a boss and you have to hire people, um, you know, that decision not only affects you, but also your team or your 
working group because they got to work with this person. And then long term, it's the effectiveness in the future of your business or your department in the organization. Um, here's another one. What about if not as big, but it could be big to you. Let's say, you know, you're one of those that goes to different social events, you know, with family, with business or whoever you support in your network. You get invited. You, you say you're going to go to one event and then right after that, you get invited to another big event that, oh, my God, you'd really like to go to. What do I do there? Um, here's something I experienced personally. I have a great job. You're in a job. You love it. You like it. Pays well. It's good. And then you're told about or informed about or recruited for another really good job. What do you do? So these are just examples, right? Um, and you kind of parallel it with similarity with that student athlete, right? You, you have to make a decision on where you're going to play that will affect you, affect your parents, you know, affect the coaches uh, that are recruiting you, and it affects your future. Now, you have these options now where you can transfer and go to the transfer portal, so it's not as intense of a decision because you know that there's an option. If I don't like it, I don't get along with my teammates, I don't get along with the coaches or whatever, there's a coaching change, I have an option to go into the portal and change. So that first decision may be not as so impactful because you know you have that portal element on the back end. But what if you start your college athletic career, you know, you're developing year one, year two, whatever, you like it, you, you've got progress, you're playing, and then, oh, you're hearing something that now that there's NIL, there's another school that, you know what, I think they could probably get you some good NIL money over there. And, you know, the, suddenly that coach and you have the option to go into the transfer portal and there's a school or there's a couple of schools that say, are interested in you because you've developed, you've gotten better. And there's someone else, I don't know, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone connected with that other school that is suddenly messaging you or getting in your ear saying there's some NIL possibilities here. So it kind of relates to that. I have a good job. I like it. I've developed. I'm good at it, but now there's an opportunity for another job that's good, more of an unknown, maybe higher pay or something like that. You make that decision. Now, the buying the house example, it's, you know, it's kind of a smaller circle, right? It's maybe you, maybe it's you and your wife or your spouse, and you're in it, you're with a real estate agent, and you're working it together, and you're working this process, boom, you know, you choose a house. If it sucks, if the, uh, the roof falls, chances are it's not. But, you know, whatever, it's okay with you. If you're choosing a car, you and your wife, wherever, it affects you. If it's a lemon, it just affects you. But that second decision now, I have a job. Here's a recruitment for another job. I'm a college athlete here. There's somebody talk. There's a lot of people talking. This is going to affect a lot of people, that decision, that second decision. It's going to affect the coaches you're with. It's going to affect the coaches that are recruiting you. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect the teammates you're with, the teammates that could become your new teammates who, who may be contacting you or messaging, hey, come here, come. So I feel, bottom line is, college student athletes, 
potentially a decent amount of them are going to mature pretty significantly and very quickly within a four-year time, especially if they have to go through that second decision or maybe even a third decision, you know, to make it once, but to have to go through that again. If you don't care about people, then it's easy. But if you care about people, this is tough. And I feel for these student athletes who are going through various levels of these process of making these decisions that I'm sure are just wrenching. If you're like Lane Kiffin and you're one year coaching at Tennessee, but you always wanted that USC job, so that becomes open, you have an opportunity. You don't care. He didn't, he didn't care about Tennessee and the people there. So it, it's easy for him. But if you cared about the people at Tennessee, the players, I mean, really cared, your coaching staff, you know, all these guys, the, the support staff, the athletic department, the fans, it would have been a re, might have been a really tough decision. But he, I don't think he cared. He made the jump. So if you care about people, these are tough decisions. So I feel for him. And I feel for the fact that you can make a mistake. You can make a mistake in any of decisions, and then the repercussions may not work your way. And I really do think that the more we are into the transfer portal, more years of it, and the NIL and all of that, you'll hear more stories of things that didn't work out because it was a not the best decision for that individual. Maybe they didn't get the NIL that they were expected to get or were used to recruit with, or they didn't work out athletically on the new team or you know whatever as those come out i think that'll level the playing field on how and also bring awareness to how challenging these type of decisions are you know the it's the grass is not always greener on the other side you know those kind of statements and cliches may prove to be more real to these very young people age 18 to 22 and they're going to mature and have to grow up very quickly in a very short period of time in this new era of college athletics so we will always watch, we will always be entertained by that, and we'll also hear the stories that probably make us feel like mm, that was a tough one. Hey, let's take a first time out. We're going to switch gears from that and then talk some Diamond Head Classics, some University of Hawaii basketball with Derek Lowe coming up right after this. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. And I want to thank Kahala because we're going to do a contest after this segment in which they are giving away two pairs of tickets to the Diamond Head Classic for tonight in which Hawaii is taking on Georgia Tech. So we'll do that after this segment in the next commercial break. But speaking of the Diamond Head Classic and someone who knows college basketball, oh, just a, a little bit, one of the best basketball players to come out of Hawaii, out of Iolani, played a, had a great career at Washington State, and now is our color analyst for men's basketball broadcast, Derek Lowe joining us. Hey, Derek, what's going on? Oh, what's up, Dave? How's everything going? Good, good. I want to ask you, because we played that sound bite in between this commercial, I'm sure you've heard it, where it's Josh, you and Josh Pacheco and that call of Javon McClanahan making that winning <laughs> shot last year for the Diamond and Classic. And I can picture, and you have a, you can hear you saying, I am, I am shocked. But of course, Josh is like, 
you know, hair on fire going, oh, my God. Oh. So I'm visualizing <laughs> the yeah. two of you guys because you're very calm, cool, and collected. And he can be a little spastic. And he's going, oh, my God, this is the greatest. And you're over there in your cool, calm, and collected way going, I am shocked. Was that about right? That that's completely right. <laughs> I think I was just talking to Bobby about that last uh, last night at the classic, and uh, you know I, I I can remember that. All I know is uh, Josh was sitting right next to me to my left, and as soon as that shot went down, he like jumped up <laughs> and his fist was in the air, and he was you could see that look on his face. It was like <laughs> you know he just, he just he was so hyped, and like for me, like you said, you know, like I'm I'm a lot more like you know, hold emotions back. So I might sound a little like dull, but I was, I was in shock because that was such a good game. And, you know, I mean, just to come down and, and hit that type of shot, you know, that, that magnitude of, of, of a, of a buzzer beater for Jovan McClanahan, uh, you know, it, it, it was just a, it's a crazy ending. And when it went in, I was, I was, that's all I could say. I am shocked, but I really was, you know, I mean, it really was. That's all it was, man. Did you ever have one of those shots in your career? Uh, you know, I don't think so. Not like that. I mean, I've had I've had a lot where I've tied the game, put it into overtime and then stuff, but you know, I've I've never I, I don't I've never had to uh you know, um had a game on a line like that. Um, you know, I've either won or I've I lost. I never was able to do that. Well, speaking of winning, so last night Hawaii beats Portland, and you know, it was one of those games where Hawaii built kind of a big lead, you know, early, and and then I tuned in on TV, and and in the second half, and there was that point, you know, midway in the second half where Portland was kind of chip away, chipping away, and I remember they brought it down to single digits, and yep. Aaron Ganat calls that timeout. Must have been about like five minutes, maybe left in the game or something, and then right after that, out of the timeout. Hawaii goes like an 8-0 run, and then they separate, and that, and they basically shut it down and close it off for the win. You know, in games like that, I guess if I was doing play-by-play with you, I would say, what do you think Coach Iran is telling the team during this timeout? What were your thoughts in that timeout in terms of strategy or what that was maybe the message that could have been for that team at that time? Oh, yeah. So, I, so I, you know, I think that's the one good thing about sitting so close to the floor, right? You can kind of see, you know, the emotions and what's going on uh, between the players. And and when Portland was making their run, you know, they had Gorosito, right? And, and, you know, they're losing. They don't have anything to lose. So Gorosito's prime mission is to come in and create havoc off of defense, to just pressure, you know, foul, get under the skin of, 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 of the Hawaii guards. And he was doing just that. You know, he, he, he was competing you know, he had some steals. Of course, there's going to be some fouling, some, some, some hand checks and all of that. But, you know, I can honestly say, you know, when, when Jovan was, was, was getting pressured from Gorosito, uh, he started to get a little emotional. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he started to get caught up in that. You know, okay, if this guy's going to check me this hard and foul me, I'm going to just go and attack him and I'm going to score. You know, and he had a couple possessions where Jovan took a few ill-advised shots you know, I think one they got the offensive rebound, had a brand new shot clock, and and he wanted to go and try and try and score again. You know, to make a point, mm-hmm. and that's when um, Coach Ganat called that timeout. You know, and then and then you saw him sub sub uh, 
sub Munoz in, I think, for, for McClanahan for mm-hmm. that brief moment to kind of, you know, let McClanahan calm down a little bit. And, uh, and then, like you said, uh, Cotton came out, you know, came down the stretch and kind of just put the game away with those, with those two threes in a row, just kind of ignited everything. But um, again, to go back to your question, you know, I'm pretty sure Ganat told him, uh, you know, like, you know, we have to stay composed. You know, we, 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 we cannot let up and play into their hands because that's exactly what they want. You know, we got to keep composed. We got to keep, keep in our system and doing what we want to do inside, outside. And, and we still got to play to win. So I'm pretty sure that's what Ganat said. And it kind of it's interesting because it kind of goes back to what I was actually having fun with in terms of you being the calm and collected guy next to the wild and uh, boisterous Josh Pacheco calling that last shot last year. But the element of the point guard on your team being able to create that environment of staying calm, staying cool, and not letting emotions get the better of them because, you know, like you said, there's going to be players where the opposition is going to sick a player on this guy and try and disrupt you, try and hand-check you, all this kind of stuff to make it very difficult on the point guard. And Juan Munoz coming in. So it's kind of like Juan Munoz settled the team, but also Coach Ganat identifying that this was the issue and making that appropriate sub at the right time, and it obviously worked. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, for the most part, um, McClanahan is very uh, poised, and you know he keeps the same expression on his face, kind of like just <laughs> yeah. ice cold. You know he doesn't he doesn't look look too angry, he doesn't look too calm. Like he's just the same, you know. And and that's and that's kind of what you need out of point guard. But he he is also very competitive, and that's something you gotta love, you know, about McClanahan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it happens to everybody. I mean, even, even me, you know, I, I get caught up in the game. You know, sometimes, but you know, it's it, it's all about runs. Basketball is a game of runs. You 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 gotta you gotta be able to control yourself, control tempo. Uh, you know, control the team. The more you can do that, the the better position you put your team in. And you know, it was it was great on Coach Ganat to recognize that um, because if I remember correctly, Gorosita was getting in Munoz as well, mm. and he actually stole the ball, dived on the floor. Unfortunately, I think it, he traveled, but he was causing chaos with Munoz. And then I think he had to sub in McClanahan to kind of relieve some of that pressure. But then McClanahan got caught up a little bit down the stretch, and then he had to make another sub. So I think it's just good overall recognition from the coaching staff and able to make that change and, you know, for Hawaii to kind of bounce back from that little um, run that Portland went on and weather it and then make, make that strong push down the end. Derek Lowe joining us, a color analyst for men's basketball broadcast here on ESPN Honolulu. Hawaii taking on Georgia Tech in day two of the Diamond Head Classic, the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, and that's going to be at 6 p.m. tonight. You know, um, I, I, it's been a while since I kind of like gravitated to a player for whatever reason, but I'm really watching, gravitating, supporting, and rooting on for Juan Munoz. And a lot of it is his story, right? I mean, two years consecutively with season-ending foot injuries, and here he is coming back. Um, Transfer, and this is, I think he's working on his second master's degree because he has the eligibility. He's been in college basketball for a long time, but because of the health issues. And I'm like hoping he can stay healthy, 
you know he's Coach Ganatza, he's so talented, and you can see it in these flashes here, but he's kind of getting back into game shape. You know, when you got you had a leg injury early in your career as well, when you're trying to rehab and come back, especially with the guard position, especially with the point guard position, you know, the quickness and that first step, you know, when you when you're making moves with the ball and with your feet, it has to be like really in step. And when you're recovering from a foot or ankle or leg injury and it's getting you know, to that point where you wanted to, but just not there yet. Is it more of a mental thing sometimes that, oh, I don't feel confident that I can jab step or make a cut off of that foot the way I used to versus just purely the physical part of rehab? Oh, man, it's a it's it's 100% mental. You know, I'll, I'll kind of tell you a little story, you know, just because you brought it up. Um, you know, when I had to go through that, I don't think most people know, but, you know, the second time I broke my foot, I broke my foot um, freshman year. I, I had a screw inserted into my fifth metatarsal. Um, I rebroke it sophomore year. Mm. Um, I, I, I had to sit on the sidelines for four weeks to let that heal. But because I broke it twice, right, it's a very common injury that a lot of athletes do, you know, that mm -hmm. fifth met. But um, uh, I had to wear almost like a, a metal insole in my right shoe. So that thing, like, could not bend, you know. So, mm. like, I had to play my whole sophomore year with that insole, you know, just to make sure that it, it you know, I, I wouldn't break the bone. Otherwise, they'd have to do like a bone graft, dig out the, 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 the screw that was already in there. And, you know, that's, that's a much more serious surgery. But, um, you know, so in order to prevent that, I had to wear that insole. And it was so immobile. Like, I, I had a hard time, like, you know, planting and, 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 and bursting off of my right foot just because of that. And, you know, it was restricting. So, that was by far kind of my most down year was my sophomore year, the sophomore slump, but I did have that. And one of the things I had to go through was the mental part. Mm. I remember um, I, I remember when I was cleared, the doctor told me, all right, Derek, you're cleared. Let me see you jump off of that right foot. And I, was, I looked at him, I was like, I can't, like, I don't want to break it, <laughs> you know? And he yeah. was like, no, 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 you are 100% cleared. Like, I want to see you, I want to see you really explode off of that foot i want to see you jump up i want to see you really test that foot out and i was like ah i, I don't want to break it again uh, you know so there's a <laughs> mental there um and that and that's something you got to get over i mean it takes it's different for everyone but you know once i once i got past that barrier once i kind of trusted you know the doctor and and trusted his words like you're not going to break it like it's 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 sturdy like it, you don't worry about it you know, then I kind of felt better, and then and then I, you know, I the rest is history. But mm -hmm. there is that mental barrier, you know, that that athletes have to get over, you know, in order in order to um, overcome that that injury. And and Juan Munoz one is ten times as worse than mine, you know, because he had the ACL, then he had the Achilles, you know. So mm. you know, you just it's just a matter of time. But you know, just 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 seeing him flourish right now, shoot well you know, stay healthy, you know, oh man, that's, su that's such a treat to see. And, you know, it's just, it's just so much more for everyone to root for him because it's a, it's a cool story, you know? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Final thing, Derek, what is your Christmas wish for men's, the University of Hawaii men's basketball team? Uh, uh, I only get one. Get, just one. Sorry, man. Just, oh, okay. Santa's got a, a, a hundred, a 300, a, you know, a hundred other uh, teams to give gifts to. So what is the one gift for uh, Hawaii? Uh, let's see. 
you know what? Um, I'm going to have to say, uh, you know, I, I, my one Christmas wish is to see Hawaii repeat as the classic champions. Yes, yes, yes. And they yes. are on their way. And we'll see. I think, I think it's achievable. I definitely do. I mean, a great game against Portland, got a tough game against Georgia Tech, and then you never know who, how it'll go on after that. But take it a game at a time. We look forward to listening to you tonight as part of the broadcast with Bobby Curran starting at 6 o'clock, pregame show starting one hour early. Hey, Derek, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you tonight. All right. Take care, Dave. All right. Take care. Happy holidays. Derek Lowe. One of the great ones ever in basketball. So glad he's part of our broadcast team. All right, we're going to take a break. After this, Michael Lafaele will join us. But during the break, Kahala, our great sponsor, is offering two pairs of Diamond Head Classic tickets for tonight. So two pairs. So we're going to give it to two winners. If Call in 808-296-1420, 808-296-1420. Call in during this break. If you are caller number two and caller number five, each of you will get a pair of tickets for tonight. Two, five, Christmas, 25th. That's why we get two and five. All right. Call in now, 808-296-1420, if you want those pairs of tickets for the Diamond Head Classic. We'll take a break. Michael LaFaele after the turn. ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back. Dave Kawada filling in for the great Kanoa Leahy here on Let's Talk Sports. Catch UH and NFL football at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. They're open at 6 a.m. Sunday showing all the NFL games. For Monday and Thursday night football, enjoy happy hour poo-poo from 4 to 7 p.m. daily. For Hawaii football games, they'll have awesome menu specials. 850 is the home of the new video wall and the place for UH College and NFL Football. So, efforting to get uh, Mike Lafaele on, and we're going to talk a little bit about football in general because talk about an exciting week he has had. He is uh, named head football coach at Farrington High School, his alma mater. Also, his son was also named to uh, signing with Wisconsin, a very top recruit linebacker out of Farrington. So, a lot of exciting stuff as a parent, uh, exciting stuff as a personal and professional as far as the area of coaching. And who knows what other – he also trains uh, linemen and f- stuff like that. So some of his other guys that he knows may have also signed as well yesterday. And, you know, it kind of got me thinking too about, you know, the era of high school football. He's coaching a brand, uh, you know, one of the more prominent brands before in terms of high school football, Farrington High School. You know, there was a time when Farrington and Wainai were kind of like the two – big boys, if you will, of OIA football. Kuku was always there, but, you know, Kuku really kind of, you know, from the 2000s just took it up a notch. And then it seemed like in the 2010s, Mililani took it up another notch and kind of became on par with Kuku. And Farrington and Wainai were not able to get it up there as the Mililanis and the Kuhukus. You know what I mean? So... You know, landscape of, as much as we talk about landscape of college sports, you know, landscape of high school sports has changed as well um, over the course of time, especially with, with football. So Farrington is a good brand. And, you know, not to take away from any other school, but if you're named the head coach of whatever X school, you're not going to get 
the news to say that you've been named the head coach. If you're named the naming of the head coach for St. Louis, um, Farrington, Mililani, or Kahuku, Punahou, they will get if that announcement that will come out in the news. You know, the other schools it, it won't. Might be a little a little little thing in the paper in the Star Advertiser, but that'll make you know like. KHON's the TV news, you know, has something on their sports report when those things are new. So it comes with that little element of, of pressure, I would think. You know, high school, high school coaching, there's pressure, believe it or not, especially if you are coaching for one of the brands that is uh, those sports. Later on in the show, <clears throat> we're also going to get an update, a live update, if you will, from Brian McGinnis from the Spectrum Sports app. He's over at the uh, Stan Sheriff Center in which uh, the first game of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamondhead Classic going on Semi-final round, interesting, right? They have a semi-final at noon. Hawaii's in the semi-final at 6. And in between and after. So the next game today is a consolation game. And the game after Hawaii is a consolation game. Before it was, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember when, the, you know, the Rainbow Classic. And it was all the consolation games were in the afternoon. So even if... And there was a couple of years where Hawaii lost the first game and they were in the consolation bracket. It was all day games, you know, in the afternoon, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock. So it didn't matter what Hawaii. Now, granted, there's this whole TV thing and ESPN, so that kind of predicates and dictates some of the scheduling. I get that. So that's kind of how it works. But back then, you know, it didn't matter. The first two games in the day were consolation. The last two games at night were the... Um, the, the winner's bracket games. So we're hoping that Hawaii takes it. So it's going to be, just to give you an idea, so right now it's Nevada and TCU at noon. Consolation game after that, 2.30 p.m., approximately Temple and Old Dominion. Then the Hawaii's first, uh, the Hawaii semifinal winner's bracket game, Georgia Tech, Hawaii at 6. After that will be the final game, which is a consolation game, UMass against Portland. So it's going to in between and slotted in that way. So we'll see how that goes. So we'll get a live update from Brian McGinnis. Um, other things related to sports as well. Um, we can talk a little bit about the early signings with Hawaii. A good crew, 14, checking to see if there's more that also has been signed up during that date. So in case anyone's wondering, and most of you are going to the you know Christmas parties over the weekend, here's some information that are just conversation grabbers okay conversation grabbers so from wednesday until today is the division one football early period so today is the last day where for football you can sign a national letter of intent to enroll if you're enrolling in the fall of next year for next season so today then the next opportunity for division one football the regular signing period starts february 7th and that includes Division One and Division Two football. So there's a gap in between there. And another conversation grabber, if you want to know, is that on the recruiting trail, in terms of the recruiting timeline, right now there is a dead period for recruiting. So mass recruiting elements in terms of visits and contacts and all that kind of stuff, last weekend, up until last weekend, this Wednesday – was the signing period, and now we're in a dead period all the way until I think it's January, first week of January. So you can't, coaches can't make contact, 
You can, I think you can text, you can direct message on social media, but you can't visit. You can't make appointed visits. You can't go see them at their home. You can't have them come to the campus on an official visit. If you run into them at Alamoana, you can say hello, you know, stuff like that. Hey, how's it? But no official contacts. That's the dead period. And then it goes into another period of where they can make some contacts again. So great conversation starters if you want to go to those family parties over over the weekend, um, this coming weekend leading into Christmas. Win $1,000 cash grand prize and $100 weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. I'm terrible at these picks. We'll take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll do a live update over at the Diamond Head Classic. Hopefully, we'll get in touch with Michael Lafaella, have a chat with him. All after this, this is Let's Talk Sports. Dave Kawada filling in on ESPN Honolulu. Let's get ready for Christmas, and what a better way to do that is with the Diamond Head Classic. Let's go live. I like doing that. Let's go live to the Stan Sheriff Center for the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic with Brian McGinnis, who is out over there for Spectrum News app doing his reporting. He is part of the unofficial 15% of the Honolulu workforce that is still working on this Friday of a long weekend. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Uh, it's going going good, Dave. Just, uh, yeah, enjoying this first game of the day two of the tournament. Hey, is there a memo out, went out to the coaching staffs of these teams that they need to find and pick the loudest Aloha shirts to wear? Because I think that TCU, they got some shirts that are pretty intensely loud. They are, and uh, they, they were again this morning. Um, but uh, I think that's the, the least of Jamie Dixon's concerns at the moment because he just got a, a run from this game with the second tack of the first half, arguing with officials. Seem pretty unnecessary to me, but uh, you know that them's the breaks, and um, Nevada leads the Horn Frogs by ten with under four minutes here in the half. So far, you've seen these games. Who's the strongest team? It, in my opinion, would be one of these two. Um, I mean, Nevada looked very impressive yesterday uh, in round one against Temple, and and TCU would have been my pick coming into this thing, as you know they they won the last time they were out here in 2019. So. Um, they're up against it right now, and they're going to have to find a way to do it without their coach, though, to get to the uh, championship. All right, Brian, I know you're working there, so thanks for the update. I appreciate it. We'll see you at the stand. All right, Dave. Take care, man. Yep, 41-32 now, Nevada over TCU. And I asked him which is the strongest teams. Nevada coming in at a 10-1 record, TCU at 9-1, and and it's 3-10 to go here in the first half of that game. So that's going to be interesting. You know, you guys – if you're following some of the sports news here, if you're following the the story related to Florida State, and this goes back now to college football, how Florida State, the Board of Trustees, is approved to do a lawsuit against the ACC conference, the conference they're in. And, you know, amongst many things in that, you know, 222-page document, however, I'm just exaggerating, but, you know, they're saying that there's, you know, just improprieties related to the disbursement of revenues, things of that nature, basically saying, you know, the conference is mismanaged. And, you know, it's it's really, ste- all of this is stemming, in my opinion, the Florida State is leveraging the fact that they were an undefeated college football team and they, 
did not make the college football playoff, and they're using that and all the publicity that they got as being such a dominant football team, of which they were quite dominant before. They went through a, a bit of a down years and just recently have been kind of getting back to that previous brand of Florida State football. And now they're trying to use it to be able to get out of the conference because they're seeing all these teams, the Big U, the Big Ten is going to be the Big 24 or however many teams they want to get, and the SEC, and they want a piece of the pie. And it's all connected to the money element. And, you know, a fan, I've told a few people, I'm a fan of USC, and I am disappointed at the fact that it was USC and UCLA, not this past season, but the year before, that really started this whole thing. Not to say that... All of this wouldn't have happened, but they were the first when they announced those two schools would be leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. And lo and behold, that led to the whole eight other teams from the Pac-12 leaving and other schools going into the, the SEC or raiding or trying to raid the Big 12. No, they solidified it. So now Florida State is trying to leverage all that. I want to get into that, but there is a huge, huge buyout element clause in the ACC agreement which is hundred something million dollars for Florida State to have to be able to buy out of the conference if they wanted to, which they are not allowed to. And the conference had solidified an agreement, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, with all the teams, which was maybe a smart move at that time. They had the foresight to think that, hey, you know, the, people might be starting to raid the ACC. Because remember, it was last year people were trying to raid the Big 12, and there's still elements of raiding maybe Mountain West and all these other schools as, as it relates to football. So they're trying to file this lawsuit to say and trying to really contest this withdrawal fee. And it's just so a bummer that, you know, it was USC and UCLA that kind of started it all. You know, it's it started to be a money grab. Now, it's not as simple as that. I agree. The Pac-12, the commissioner and the conference – didn't get their act together. They weren't able to solidify a TV contract in time or at least communicate that things are in the plans. Don't worry. Hang with it. Blah, 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 blah. But there's the muscle. And I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop as far as the ACC goes, which is going to be Clemson. Clemson had a down year this year. And they've had a couple of down years. And even Dabo Sweeney is getting some heat. I wouldn't say he's a coach on the hot seat yet, but when you've had standards of just a few years ago when they're in the college football playoffs, seems like every year and getting a couple of national championships and Dabo Sweeney was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and suddenly you have only a nine-win season or whatever, and now you're like, oh my gosh, it's it's you know, it's coming to the end. Fire him, you know, all that kind of talk. But that could be the other shoe to drop. If Clemson has a great year next year, like win the conference top five, you know, college football playoff, they'll make the – that's the other shoe. They're going to try and leverage that again to see if they can get out of the ACC and get out of this agreement. So they're watching. Clemson is watching what is happening with this Florida State situation because if there is any inroads or if there is any long-standing deliberation – Going into next season, going into the end of next season, who do you think is going to jump on that lawsuit if it hasn't been resolved yet? If there is any decision that moderately falls in favor of Florida State, meaning, I don't know, and I'm not so legally savvy, but let's say the court that they're filing with says, you know, we agree with you, Florida State, 
And we believe there should be, you know, some element of an arbitration related to getting out of this agreement and specifically related to the buyout clause in the agreement with the conference. If it ever got to something like that, where, okay, you can talk about it. So in other words, there's a chance, you have a chance to get away without having that hundred something million buyout. Boom, Clemson, if they have a good season and their college football playoff bound next year, that's, they're going to do that as well. And whoever else may be in the ACC, which is a basketball conference, those two are the top football schools, and guess what? They're going to try and do everything they can to get out of the conference and get into the Big Ten or the SEC. Florida State, they probably would shoot for the SEC. And I wouldn't doubt that they're talking about it now because that's what teams do. That's what schools do now in terms of conference realignment. Where is the money? Where is the biggest TV money? And where are the two power conferences? Well, it's those two. We want to get in there. We have leverage. We're going to try it. So more to come in the college football landscape. We're at halftime at Diamond and Classic, 48-36. Nevada leads at halftime. I want to thank my guest, Derek Lowe today, who came on. We talked about Diamond and Classic. Hawaii plays Georgia Tech at 6. I also want to thank Brian McGinnis, who gave us a bit of a live report there from the Diamond Ed Classics. I want to thank him for coming on very briefly. And also, I want to congratulate Kami in Aiea and Taco in Makakilo, who won those two pairs of tickets for the Diamond Ed Classic. Hope you enjoy the game tonight. It should be a great weekend. I want to thank everyone. Have a great Christmas. See you next week.